Welcome, everybody, to Whiskey and Wino. Welcome. I know we skipped another week, but my life is a Shakespeare fucking tragedy story, so. Yeah, another death. Another death, yeah. Very sad. So, yeah, that's where we are, but hey, we're back this week. I'm in the middle of a blizzard. Thank God I didn't have to work today. Yeah, that is nice. My um, husband had to drive into work, and he left at, like, 1230, and he has to be there, too. Ooh. So, he made it. He texted me. So. But it's pretty crazy. Like, the dogs go out there, and they're, like, they're just sinking in the snow. It's pretty cute. It is cute. That video you sent me of Zoe was really cute. She loves to roll in the snow. Why well, it's a little more like, mm, this is kind of high now. Hmm. Yeah rethinking things yeah he's like mm, do i really want to go bark at that dog mm, i don't think i do so yeah so that's what we're all up to all right uh so what are we talking about today i think we're going to north carolina yes which speaking of snow they also got a fucking shit ton of it really oh yeah they're in a national emergency oh goodness yeah they got that. hammered Corona, huh? Mm-hmm. I've been in a beer mood lately. Yeah? That's wild. I did drink some whiskey, and I had one white Russian, but I only had enough for one, so. Oh. I went to the Corona with lime. Corona with lime in a blizzard. Love in it. a blizzard. <laughs> no. But I have a couple little stories from North Carolina today. My first one is the demon dog of Valle Crucis. Ooh. I did look up the pronunciation. <laughs> I just started. <laughs> I can't even pronunciate. You can't laugh at me yet. I was up most of the night because my fucking ghost cat was thumping on the door like all night long. At least it wasn't a demon dog. Oh, I don't know what is up with ghost cat. Christian actually got up in the middle of the night and he goes, Will you let the cat out? I'm sick of hearing that thumping. I'm like, that's the thing. There's no cat there. Oh, God. It knows you're leaving. So it's like getting upset. It's getting really frustrated. It just pounds at the door all night. And there's nothing there. Like this time, I heard it pounding. And I was right in front of the door. I opened it. Nothing there. No cats running away. Nothing. Oh, you're brave. I wouldn't have opened it right then. (laughs) It's just, it's so bizarre to me. I cannot figure it out. And plus the lights kept flickering on and off last night. Like it was dark in the house. Of course we were sleeping, but we have this like, still we have Christmas garland up on our banister on the stairs. Plus the bathroom lights usually on. Uh, it's the end of January almost. Can we take that Christmas garland down? No, it's, and we haven't even turned it off. Like it's been lit up for like two months straight. You're moving in like two days. And I have gotta... impact at all. My intentions are good. I just fucking hate packing. Fucking sucks. But anyway, we're on to demon dogs. Okay. So. So, yeah, like I said, this is from NorthCarolinaGhost.com. So, there's this super frightening apparition that hangs out in this quiet mountain town in North Carolina called Valley Crucis, which is Latin for Valley of the Cross. Um, They have two streams that meet at right angles in the middle of the valley. 
But apparently, at night, it becomes supernatural. So there's an old stone church located along Highway 194, just on the edge of the town. Like, it's just a little quiet little town. You know, there's no Walmart. That's how you describe the quiet little town. There's no Walmart, so it's basically a dead town. Yeah, I mean, really, why even live there? There's probably no McDonald's. Um, and, of course, there's a cemetery because every little town has a big old cemetery that's haunted. So the funny thing about this, the Stephen dog. So I'm going to tell you the story from these two young guys' point of view. Okay. So these two young men were driving along the road around midnight. It was a clear night. The moon was full. Their car turned a corner passing the old church. The two young men saw a shadow leap out from behind one of the graves and into the road in front of them. Swerving to avoid it, whatever it was, the driver slammed his foot on the brake and pulled onto the side of the road, wondering what he almost hit. It was a dog. Are you talking about Devin? Do you remember that guy that used to work next to him? <laughs> yes, Devin crashed his car because there was a ghost dog. There was a dog. He swears there was a dog, and he swerved to avoid it, and it was a ghost dog. It yeah, wasn't real. It was a ghost dog. I forgot about that, but that's so funny. He had, to tie, the hood of his, he had to tie the hood of his car with uh, two of our hair ties put together. <laughs> Do you oh, my God. What did he drive? Was that a Camaro? Blacknet. No, it was like a Mustang. Mustang, Trans Am, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually really funny. Devin was a weirdo. Oh, Devin. Probably still is. Her cutest little daughter, though, Gabby. She's a cutie. Okay, anyway, so they see this dog, but it wasn't an ordinary dog. It was tall and wide as a full-grown man, covered in black fur and bearing its massive yellow teeth, and the animal's eyes were glowing. So why are we talking about this ghost dog and not a werewolf? Because that's, like, where my mind would go if I saw what you're describing. That's true. But they say the dog's eyes weren't just, like, glowing. They were, like, burning with a red light, like the fires of hell. Ooh. So the one dude turned around to the other dude, and he's like, did you see that? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Okay, um, and now I also just got a glimpse of your shirt that's a fucking Christmas shirt as well. <laughs> so let me explain why I'm wearing a Christmas shirt. I can explain. It was so cold in my house yesterday because it was, like, four degrees. I thought I was putting on a thermal. And then I realized it was a Christmas shirt, and I was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, fuck it. I just needed something to put under my hoodie. So I don't even know where I got this shirt. It's just, I don't know. It's one of those shirts I was like, where did I get this? So, yes, I am wearing a Christmas shirt. It's just still Christmas at your house. All right, I get it. (laughs) Right? I just can't let it go. All right, back to demon dogs. So the one dude I said, you know, I didn't say, he said, do you see that? And he's like, no, and neither do you. Hmm. But the animal began to walk toward their parked car. They decided to slam on the accelerator and get the fuck out of there. They roared down the mountain road on these twists and turns doing 60 to 70 miles per hour. Only when the driver looked at his rear view mirror did he realize the dog was still following him. And he wasn't just following them, he was keeping up with them. Yikes. Which reminds me, I got chased by an ostrich once in my car, 
it kept up with me, and it was like out of Jurassic Park where he literally put his eye to the window and looked at me like, bitch, you can't run from me. Oh, it was crazy. terrifying. It was terrifying because ostriches are really big. Ostrich. Yeah. Like, they're like six-foot birds, and they're thick. Like, it's yeah. not just like my tiny little sparrow that haunts my husband all the time. He thinks we have a haunted bird, too. But we'll get on to that story another time. Jeez. Anyway, so this demon dog's catching up with them. Like, like not catching up, keeping up with them. So, of course, they panic. And they're expecting the jaws of the dog just to wrap around the bumper and, like, drag it back to hell. Like, they're freaking out. So the driver gave one final patch to the accelerator right when the dog was about to leap on the car. And they took off over the bridge to the waters. Well, they didn't fall into the water. Um, but then the dog stopped following them. So it's like once you cross this bridge, apparently the dog can't cross it anymore. Oh. And they watched it fade in the distance. They said it was like six feet tall on four legs. That's wow. what, Like you said, that's a really big dog, well, dog wolf, werewolf, dog wolf. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they went to the local wolf house, as one does, after you've been chased by a giant demon dog from hell. Yeah, you have to debrief about why Jacob was following you. <laughs> and hope that Edward was a close mind. Yeah. Um, but there's many stories of this demon dog, and everybody describes it the same way. So just so you know, that's just their particular story. So in Soxapaw, North Carolina, there's this road called Payne Road. It's supposedly the most haunted road in the state. But there's three legends that surround why this road is haunted. So, the first legend concerns Edward Payne. He was owner of a large plantation. Guess what? Guess why he went crazy? I don't know. Why does that name sound so familiar, though, Edward Payne? I don't know. Why? So, get, I'm guessing why he went crazy? Yeah. Was a... Okay, he had a plantation. What do you think made him lose his fucking mind? Guilt? <laughs> yeah, right. Never going to happen. No, his daughter became pregnant by one of his slaves. And he flew into a rage and he killed the slave. Then he decided, I should take up devil worshipping, because why not? Sure. So he started practicing strange and crazy rituals. And he didn't stop there. Eventually, he just went crazy and set the entire plantation on fire, killing everyone on the property. I'm a little confused on that. If you set a plantation on fire, people can run away. Like, I don't think they had, like, fire alarms and that kind of stuff then. And I think the slaves were locked in their slave quarters. Oh, okay. So they all apparently burned alive. Oh, tragic. So, of course, they all haunt that that plantation and that road. Um you're right, because they were fucking bird alive, and that's kind of a shitty way to die. So the second legend that ties it to this road concerns a young man who drove down Payne Road one night. He never made it out. The young man was apparently unable to make one of the sharp curves. He crashed his car next to the ruins of a chapel where Edward Payne did his devil worshipping. The young man's car caught fire, and he was forced to die a slow and painful death. Well, bystanders refused to do anything to help him. They just let him burn to death. 
So they say if you drive down the road late at night, if you pass this curve late at night, you'll see the headlights of the old Ford following you and then disappearing without a trace. Mm, creepy. Some people report that they'll see a car burning and hear someone screaming, but there's no one there. There's nothing there. Like, they'll see these, like, flames, but then they'll go to investigate, and there's nothing there. The third and final legend of Payne Road, um, which is pretty common. I'm sure there's a lady in white somewhere here. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. A bride on the prom princess or something. <laughs> she just came home from prom. Um, according to the local legend, sometime in the late 19th century, a man lived in a farmhouse. The man and his wife had some really bad arguments and really bad fights. And one day, the man decided that their children were the root of all their problems. Ooh, uh-oh. So after one really violent altercation, the man tied his wife to a chair in the living room, went upstairs, and to massacre the children. The wife was able to free herself from the restraints and stopped her husband, saving her infant child. She took the child in trying to escape, but was caught by her husband on the bridge. He decapita- decapitated her on the spot. But nobody knows what happened to the baby. The legend ends with the man committing suicide by hanging himself from a tree. It is said if you go to that road and whisper Dixie, his wife's name, a woman's ghost will appear and approach her car while holding her head. So that's the mystery surrounding this road and all the gruesomeness. And apparently it's, it's quite a place for the amateur ghost hunters to hang out. So, anyway, that's my visit to North Carolina. Creepy. So, I have a story from North Carolina. And if you're familiar with the true crime world, the genre, I'm sure you've heard of Michael Peterson. So, he has, there's a... um, I feel like there's a lot of Peterson murders. There are, but there's just a lot of Petersons in Uh, general. I think that... There's a lot of Peters. So Michael Peterson, there's a documentary called The Staircase that's on Netflix. A few years ago, it came out. Um, pretty good documentary. It can, it gets kind of mundane at the end because it's about his trial and stuff. But he's a he's a weird dude. Like he's just a weird fucking dude. So <laughs> he was a, a writer, and he was living in North Carolina with his wife Kathleen Peterson. And he was accused of murdering her in 2001. So, like I said, Michael Peterson and his wife, Kathleen, they lived in a huge mansion in North Carolina. Like a plantation? Or just like Um, a southern mansion? Christian loves when I do accents, so I'm doing my southern. (laughs) Doesn't say it was any good. You are just a classic blue bonnet. Um, What do you call them? Um, oh God, a debutante, debutante. a bell, a southern bell. I don't know, Blanche. Blanche. <laughs> Blanche always sounds like like if you're burping, like I just blanched. Yeah. That's how I always feel about that name. Sorry to all the Blanches out there listening. Especially Blanche Devereaux. Come on. Oh, she was the best, man. Blanchiest Blanche. She was the best. Blanche used to be my favorite golden girl. Until I was older, and then it became Betty White or Rose. Technically. I really like Dorothy. I hated Dorothy. Really? Oh, I she's just... so fucking manly to me. 
Yeah, but she's fucking hilarious. That's hilarious. My mom, that's my mom's favorite golden girl, too. Well, I liked your mom even before that, but it makes it better. <laughs> All right. So they lived in this giant mansion and they had a history of drinking together at night, which, you know, a lot of couples do. And this particular night, they'd been enjoying wine outside near the pool. So says Michael. By the way, this night, it was 50 degrees. And I do understand that living in Southern California, 50 degrees is, like, super cold to me. So maybe it was a nice night. I don't know. That's actually nice out here. I get that. Plus, they – well, I don't think she smoked, but he smokes, um, like, pipe tobacco. He smokes in his house, too, but maybe they just brought their wine out and, you know, they were smoking and talking and whatever. Anyway. Maybe they had a fire pit. No. No. It didn't. Okay. <laughs> no. Sorry. Didn't mean to saw you. <laughs> um, I would have said so. No, maybe oh. I wouldn't have, but. I... <laughs> no, it was just a pool. Fine. Did they have a jacuzzi? Probably. It was a giant pool. I want a jacuzzi really bad. I do, too. Like, I don't want to have a pool, or I will. And I don't want a pool. I want a jacuzzi, which my whole life I wanted a pool. Now I'm old, and I just want a jacuzzi. You just want to sit. I just want to sit. Uh, all right. So the, the property was really big. So this pool was not just like how you walk, you know, five feet out your door and you're in a pool. Like you got to walk down these steps and like, you know, he walked five feet out the door and you're in the pool. It just goes right into the pool. There's a lot of houses out here that are like that because everybody wants a pool and the yards aren't that big. So it's just an edgeless pool. Isn't that what it's called? Those are the infinity pools. The ones that like lap over the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kathleen calls it a night. She heads inside, right? They're sitting outside, smoking, drinking, talking, whatever, by the pool. She's like, I got to go inside. It's like, I don't know. I'll get into the times, but it's probably close to midnight around there. So Michael decides to keep his own party going and is having his wine and smoking his pipe. And a bit of time goes by and he decides it's time for him to take himself to bed too. And when he walks in the house, he sees his wife laying in a pool of blood. I mean, there's blood everywhere at the foot of the staircase and she's covered in blood and there's blood all over the walls, on the stairs. He calls 911 saying that his wife had had an accident and fell down the stairs and she needed an ambulance. And he's telling them uh, she's breathing, but she needs an ambulance. So, the pool of blood was a good indication, I guess. Yeah. I pulled this uh, timeline from this uh, vancehomes.com, and it says Kathleen took herself inside, <laughs> took herself, like she just she escorted <laughs> herself inside <laughs> at about 1.45 in the morning-ish. You said it was like midnight. It Which one was it? No, I was. I just said midnight. That wasn't from anywhere. I pulled that up oh. on my app. This is okay. a real life number. This is a real life time. Okay. It's, 1:45. it's not a gen speculation time. It's a real life time, people. Uh, so Michael goes into the house about 2.30 a.m. This is when he finds his wife. He calls 911 at 
the paramedics arrive at 2.48 a.m. So sometime between 1.45 a.m. and 2.30 a.m., Kathleen has an accident or something happens. <laughs> a point that's brought up a lot with this case is that when the paramedics came and they couldn't do anything for her because she was dead, and apparently this is a source of contention, she was dead when he was on the phone with 911. Like, she couldn't possibly have been breathing, you know, uh. after they did the autopsy and everything. But you know, it's possible that he just assumed and he just, you know, whatever, he was frazzled. Um, the police get there at 3 a.m. and they don't secure the scene until 24 minutes later. So the paramedics have been in there. Michael's been able to trace about. So loads of people were going in and out of the house. Who knows what they tracked around or who hid what or, you know. It, this comes into play later. Okay, Michael Peterson's attorney arrives at the house at 5.20 a.m. Wow, that didn't take long. No, not at all. But these are people with money, and, you know, you have a, retur- a attorney. You have a, <laughs> an attorney on retainer. <laughs> <laughs> so what came out at the trial after Michael Peterson is charged with Kathleen's murder is that he had used a software called quick clean to delete hundreds of files on his computer. So this is supposed to point to the fact that he was hiding something from his wife. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of um, glancing over a lot of these points because this is such a well-known and well-talked about case. Like he finds her at the bottom of the stairs. He calls 911 at 11.08 PM, the night of Kathleen's death. Her, well, okay, I say the night of her death because in my mind, it's not until you go to sleep that it's the next day. Because all of this technically took place, you know, early in the morning. So 11 p.m. on, you know, just a few hours before Kathleen's death, her coworker, Helen Preislinger, spoke to her on the phone and agreed to email her a file. So she, she was alive at 11.08. The theory is that Kathleen went onto Michael's computer to access her email because her coworker had just emailed her a file. And upon logging in, she finds some compromising correspondence between her husband, Michael, and a male sex worker. Ooh. So the theory goes, she finds this, she confronts him, he kills her. He erases all of the stuff. So Michael claims that Kathleen knew about his bisexuality and didn't mind him using such services to have his needs met, which this is something that his sister, Candace Zamperini, and adamantly denies. She says her sister would not be okay with it. She may be okay with the whole bisexual thing. Like it's not a, she's not shaming, but the cheating would not have flown with her. Like that's That's fair. Yeah. So she just said that Kathleen had experiences with infidelity and that 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 wouldn't fly. Like she's not trying to, you know, shame Michael because he's bisexual. But cheating is cheating. It doesn't matter. Exactly. So Candace is just saying, like, there's no way she would be open and okay with that. Like um, that he's uh, using the services of sex workers. So. Um, Also, there are claims that he was not bringing any money in from his book sales. So his wife was the one who was doing 
who had all the the financial responsibility. Oh, he wrote a book. He wrote a book. He's an author, so he wrote books about like the Vietnam War, um, and a couple other uh, fiction. Was he in the war, or he just wrote about it? I've he was in the military. I don't know the whole ins and outs of it, but it's fiction. His books are fiction, but they're like based on the premise of real life things. Uh, So they're trying to say in the court is that him using a sex worker, she it's possible she just said, I'm out like this is the last straw. I'm done. And he panicked because he's not bringing in any money himself. So she could Uh. take house. She could take all of the money. He wouldn't have anything. Um. And then there's the next layer of the story that this was not the first woman found dead at the bottom of a staircase that Michael had been connected with. Okay. So in the 1980s, Michael and his then wife, Patricia Peterson, were living in Germany. So the couple became close with a couple um, named Elizabeth and George Ratliff. They had two girls. The Petersons had two boys. So... They kind of connected that way. Uh, George died. And so they kind of adopted Elizabeth uh, Ratliff into their family because they had the two girls and and the the wives were very close. And um, so they were helping with the kids. And in 1985, Elizabeth Ratliff died. The nanny found her at the bottom of the stairs. And an autopsy said she died from an intracerebral hemorrhage. She also had a, a blood coagulation disorder. So, but Michael Peterson was the last person to see her alive. He walked her home after they had dinner at the Peterson house. So he walked her home and then he was the last person to see her. And it wasn't until he was accused of Kathleen's murder that a second autopsy was performed on Elizabeth and her death was ruled a homicide. Oh. Yeah. So they, they exhumed her grave. Yeah, her body. Right, yeah. Ooh. So, and just a side note, the girls, the, those Elizabeth's girls, um, Michael adopted them. Oh, wow. So he has the two boys and the two girls, and those two girls have stood by their dad the whole time. Like, unwavering. he didn't kill Kathleen, you know, whatever. So back to Kathleen, the prosecutors say that the injuries were likely made by a custom fire poker that was in the house and has since disappeared. Now, Like he hit her with it to take her down the stairs, or he... He hit her... He hit her in the head. Okay. So the custom fire poker was given to them by Kathleen's sister, Candace. Um, She gave each family member a set of these really nice looking, like, you know, those, you know, it's like a little set that sits by the fireplace. Uh My parents had one when we had fireplaces, yeah. Um, Little shovel. The brush. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. brush. Right, right, right. That no one ever used the brush, I've realized. So the defense claims that the injuries were made from a fall against the stairs and the wall. But the wounds, they were severe wounds, but there was no brain damage. 
or skull fractures. Mm -hmm. So like she basically, she hit her head several times and there's her skin was ripped, but not hard enough to damage the skull. And you'd think if somebody was whacking someone over the head with a fire poker, you would have some damage to the the bone. So that was kind of their defense of like, there's no way that he did this because if if that was the intention, he wouldn't be holding himself back. He'd be wanting to murder her and, you know, whatever. So Peterson was found guilty of murder. He was sentenced to life in prison, served eight years before the. Wow, that's a long life. (laughs) Well, there's an FBI analyst, Dwayne Deaver, who was super important to his case to. Peterson's case um, because he was a bloodstain analysis and he was the one that was saying this is how it happened this is why there's these blood specks on Michael Peterson's pants is because it's blowback when he was hitting her with this fire poker so comes to light that this analyst had been found to falsely represented evidence in 34 cases. Wow. He was fired and all of the cases were looked into. This happened after a man who was falsely in prison for 17 years won his case. And they started looking into him and it turns out that he, this guy, uh, Devers, he, when he was hired as an expert, he was given information on the case. And then he was giving the science to match up to that information. So Um, he was making it. He wanted. mm -hmm, So he won a new trial. Michael Peterson did. And during that time, he entered an Alford plea, which is basically stating that the state has enough evidence to find him guilty, but he maintains his innocence. So he's like, I'll give it to you. You have enough to convict me, but I didn't do it. They served him or they sentenced him to his time served and then he was let go. Wow. So the controversy that I find so funny about this case is people have this theory about an owl killing Kathleen. An owl? An owl. So (laughs) the marks on the back of Kathleen's head, they're saying look like talon marks. So she possibly was going um, up the stairs. She got attacked by an owl and fell down the stairs. No, there was blood found right outside the door. So it was thought that she had walked out the door the owl saw her and thought she was a prey or something and grabbed onto her head. And then she made it back inside and didn't realize how badly she was hurt because she was also on some medication. I don't know. It was like a Xanax or something. So her alcohol level was like 0.07, but she had also taken some other depressants. So they're thinking she But wouldn't there be feathers? Well, there's microscopic owl feathers found in her hair. 
So they're thinking that that is the, the talons come, they get the back of her head. She doesn't realize that she's hurt that bad. She starts to go upstairs, maybe to the medicine cabinet to like get some band-aids or whatever the fuck. But when you go tell your husband, like, holy fuck, I just got attacked by a fucking owl. I, I mean, I wouldn't just, like, go up the stairs and be like, I should take care of this. I'd be like, dude, <laughs> Christian, an owl just ate my face. Right? Like, it just seems like that's something you'd want to talk about. I don't think – and because then it says, okay, well, then she was going up the stairs and she slipped in her own blood and fell down the stairs. And I'm like, dude, if I'm bleeding as, as much to slip on my – Right, because – yeah. Shit, like, I don't know. But – the the owl defense yeah and it was because a neighbor had said and it's a a a barn owl or something yeah i don't know and apparently if you get hit by one of these fuckers it like takes you out like they dive at you so hard you can get knocked out but the instances of somebody being death by owls yeah, or or bleeding to that capacity over an owl is like none. And I don't know if it's because people don't report it, like, or what. <laughs> there's no um, there's no statistics on it because it just doesn't happen. On owl death. Yeah. Well, especially in your house. No, not in her. She was outside, then she went inside. Is the theory. She was outside. She gets attacked. She makes it back into the house. So this house is like 9,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Like, it's a huge-ass house. So if she got attacked in the front of the house where the blood was and she was screaming, Michael wouldn't have heard her because it's just – so – Across the house, 9,000 square feet. Okay, well, let's just say 3,000 square feet because it's probably not a, you know, a city block. So it's... Right. And then he's by the pool, and there's a fountain that's quite loud as well. Oh, And he's probably not listening for his wife's scream, so I don't know. But it's so strange to me because his the girls his daughters that he adopted are so steadfast and like he couldn't do it and whatever, but he's such a fucking weird dude. Like you got to watch the staircase. If you haven't watched it, it's he's, he's just cringe. Like when you see him talk, you're like, ew, like ew. he's just not something is fucking off. Like something is off with him. And I don't know. If it's because he murdered his wife or because he murdered this other girl, Elizabeth, or if it's just he's been hiding his sexuality for so long, you know, when people have a secret for so long and they look like they're sketchy. I don't know. But he's just something is fucking wrong. And his sister-in-law, Kathleen's sister, did stand by him in the beginning. But then as more things came to light, she was like, no, uh, uh-uh. and that that uh, comment that he has about his wife knowing that he was seeing a sex worker um, or workers, plural, um, males, that just stuck with. Well, the potential of spreading disease, like it's one thing to be like, oh, it's cool. Like, I don't have a penis. Like, I can't fuck you. But still, you don't want you don't want your mate to be off screwing everything whether it be male or female, because you still have that potential of disease. And 
You know, it's not cheating. Cheating right. is cheating. But I think um, in Kathleen's case in particular, it's just the infidelity. Like, I don't, I, I don't think. And, and you, you know, some people who could be okay with it and some people who can't, yeah. like you, you know that about your friends and whatever. And this is her sister and her sister is like, absolutely. This would not fly. This is, this is the thing that I'm like, okay, now I'm convinced. Cause he's lying like that would, she would not, do, she would not be okay with that. So, um, but before that, before all that came out, he, she was by his side. Like, no, they they loved each other, you know, whatever craziness. It's weird you say about the barn owls because Christian has told me he sits out on the porch late at night to like two or three well, in the morning. It could, be, it could be can't remember. And I didn't write it down because, you know, that's how much research I did. <laughs> Christian's like, I keep hearing this like it sounds like a little girl screaming. So one time I heard it when I was out there. He's like, listen, that's what the sound so I was telling my mom about it before she had her stroke, and she goes, it's probably an owl. That's what they sound like, like oh, barn owls, crazy. screeching owls. I can't remember what she called them. Like, that's what it sounds like. Hmm. It sounds, it's very faint, but it does sound like a little girl screaming at two in the morning. And, like, they can't beat her every night, you know, to figure, like, it's really the same little girl around the same time of night. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Who's friends with my ghost cat, ghost bird. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a mockingbird and it heard somebody scream and then it's just. Maybe it is. I don't Maybe know. it's what they call those in um, Hunger Games. Mocking Jay. Jay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> mm. So that's it. I recommend the staircase if anybody wants to read further into it. I got to the point with the research of it where I was just so over him. Like, <laughs> I couldn't read anything more. I'm like, dude, the dude fucking did it. I don't know how he did it. He fucking did it. He's a creeper. Like there's no way if you fall down the stairs, you're not bleeding to death. Right. Like, it's usually like a broken neck. neck. Yeah. Yes. Or you, you it's break your back like... to where you're paralyzed and you can't go anywhere. You're not going to lay there and just asphyxiate and have blood everywhere yeah so i don't know i was gonna say something about that but now i don't remember probably wasn't important anyway oh it was about that series that had a how to make a murderer oh yeah stephen avery yeah the thing is i didn't give a shit that he went to prison because he seemed like a really creepy fucked up dude anyway like he yeah. threw his own cat in the fire. He wasn't all there. He wasn't a good guy. No. Like, no, he didn't do the rape. That was definitely proven. I do think he killed that lady. I don't know. It's just, I didn't feel well, the bad. Documentary, that he the documentary was very, very biased. You could tell. For sure. You know, but also the thing that irritated me the most was just the, I do believe he got a fucked up trial. And so for the, just for the justice system to be working at its best capacity, they fucked up. Oh God. Especially with the nephew. Yeah. But so like, I don't know if he did it or not, but I still think he got a fucked up 
The one way I could believe he didn't do it is I don't think he's smart enough to have cleaned up all the blood. Like in his brothers, I think it was the brothers that that live next door or whatever that passed by them. I don't know if you remember the documentary as much. Called her like thirty times that day. Was leaving those creepy messages and, but I still don't believe you can clean up a blood scene in a in a trailer. Like he had a small trailer. Like, he's not the most brilliant man on the earth, and it's hard to clean up every little trace of blood. would yeah. be super difficult. You know, they always find, like, that one speck. I don't know. But I didn't, I still didn't feel bad, because I still feel like he was not really um, the perfect person for society. And not saying I am or anything, but I don't know. He was just creepy, and I always thought something was super fucking off with him anyway. Yeah, well, we'll go into that case when I'm not completely sick of hearing about it. <laughs> That's how I felt about this staircase one. I was just like, okay, I cannot, I can't watch this anymore. I can't research this anymore. Like this is, <laughs> I'm so over it. I think he absolutely, like he should still be serving life in prison because his his trial was fair, it, except this one dude, Dean, Dwayne Dean, whatever the fuck his name is, the SBI guy, because his blood analysis, he used it to fit into the narrative of the prosecution. Right, and that's wrong. It, that is wrong, but it's not saying that he he is. And you said they wrong. never found the poker, right? It just disappeared. No, no, no. They found it eventually. Oh, it they was did. In his basement, and they he it was two days before the verdict was gonna go in before the jury. Oh. So they found it and they documented the shit out of it because it had like web cobwebs and whatever, trying to say that it's been there the whole time. Um, I think he really like the documentation of his trial and everything. He loves to be in the spotlight. Like, oh. he was just milking it the whole time. That's like, so weird to me. I'd be the opposite if I was on trial for murder. I would just want to hide in my fucking hole and fucking yeah. move on. Yeah. No, he wanted, he thinks he's so clever. You know, he just thinks that he's fucking God's gift. So he <sighs> wants to be in front of the cameras all the time. He's just gross. Gross. All right. Well, that's, that's this episode. Hopefully it won't go another two weeks. We'll never know. You never know what's yeah. going to happen in my life. I have no promises. I'm running out of family members, though, so that I guess that makes a difference. <laughs> On that note. All right, well, see ya next week. Ciao.